Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So today we're talking about Isaiah. So uh, a little bit about Isaiah. So Isaiah is one of the four major prophets. When you look at your Bible, your Bible doesn't say this, but this is how we break it down in theology or in the study of the Bible. Bibliology, bibliology and uh, how the what we call the canonization of Scripture is the books of the Bible that were assembled in your Bible, which you have right now, that theologians and those who of the day, many, many, many years ago, we're talking, uh, goodness, over 2,000 years ago, Isaiah was accepted. Actually, 2,200 years ago, Isaiah was accepted by scholars as a part of your Bible. It wasn't that way before. Uh, th- there was a time period that went on there. I mean, you're talking about 600 years or so that Isaiah had preached previous to them accepting his writings into the canonization of Scripture. Before that, the Jews only accepted the Torah, the first five books of your Bible. So you understand that's a long period of time to now go in and accept a new writing. Though they had had it for, um, you know, well over 600 years, they weren't going to accept it just yet. Which should tell you something. As we get into this, it's very interesting to me. Isaiah, what we call one of the four major prophets. That doesn't mean he's smarter, better, or greater. It's not like farm team. You know, we got the wrong braids here, right? We got, we got minor leagues, and then we got major leagues. Okay, you got major prophets, and you got minor prophets. That's not the way the Bible puts it. So your minor prophets, which we'll talk about later, uh, there's about 12 of those guys. They are not any less significant than Isaiah. Like, he's not more important because he got in the majors. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like that. It's just he wrote a bunch of more stuff. <laughs> That's why he got to be called a major prophet. So if you're a long-winded preacher, you get to go into the major categories. If he's a short-winded guy, everybody liked you better, but you just got in the minors. You know, it just doesn't sound as cool, you know. So anyway, that's kind of how it's broken up. But Isaiah is a very interesting book of the Bible. I'm not getting into all the details. Uh, you can get one of these, either if they're on your table or out in the hallway or wherever, on the information center, it's way out. There's a lot of great study tools out there we created for you. But what is Isaiah to us and why is it so important today? So Isaiah was a voice, a prophetic voice for the southern kingdom of Israel. And I'm going to teach you a couple of things this morning. Is that okay? So just hang tight, you know, and we'll get into some, some other things in a moment. But he was a voice to the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom of Israel, they were divided. They, you know, they couldn't get along or anything else. Don't that sound familiar today? But anyway, the southern kingdom, they, 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 Isaiah was a voice to them because the northern kingdom was dis- destroyed by the Assyrians during this time. And so, funny thing, funny fun fact, just kind of throw it in here. The, the whole mythology of Romulus and, Romulus and Remus came about during the same time of Isaiah's birth. And so, where the people say, well, Romulus was alive and then mythology came about from him, or the mythology was there and then they created Rome, I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is, uh, Romulus and Remus were just a few years, the, the, the creation of that or the birth of them, whatever, whichever path you want to take, doesn't matter to me. About a few years, two to three years outside of Isaiah's birth. Now, why is that important? Because let me just throw out something to you. If you ever study, I'm not going to give you all the details, but you should go and just read. Just go to Wikipedia. It's good enough for this one. Go to, just read about these two guys and ask yourself, Why? Would we, as a city called Rome, accept that story on the footsteps of the seat of our governmental authority in this city? Just go and ask, read it and ask yourself, why is that even here? This makes no sense at all. Now, that's just a side note. 
Let me tell you on something else. All my pastor buddies, they, they, they laugh because they know I hate that thing. And I do. I just hate what I think it's ridiculous that it's here. And when you read the story, you'll find, I think you would agree. Second thing, here's what, the other thing, here's the mother thought. It's amazing me how we will accept that, build a statue to it, stick it up on the front steps, but then question a book that is the same age and of existence as what we can or cannot prove about two little boys being raised by a she-wolf. Isn't that funny to you? We'll make a statue of one and put it on the steps, but the other one, we will. We got a question of the verify. Yeah, we don't know. It's amazing to me. But that's where we are. And Isaiah was a voice for that very, very thing. And during this time, Sparta and Greece was also being founded at the same time as Rome. So Rome was founded around this time. So was Sparta and Greece as the same time as Isaiah, right about five, ten years, his birth. And so it's pretty amazing when you took a look at the history of it. So when you think about these things, and as I'm going forward, a little bit about the prophets and why were they so important. Because prophets, God gave them a voice. And many times... They had to deal with political issues, yes. They had to deal with religious issues, yes. But let me tell you, the number one thing they were really going after the most of the time, they had to get after the idol worship in the nation. That was the biggest thing they were coming against. People just worshipped these idols. And as a prophet, they were very unpopular in their day. You could imagine why. You, you know, you can imagine why. People get to do their own thing. Like already right now, I can guarantee there's somebody listening. I mean, it might have ruffled your feathers because I'd put down the little she-wolf on the steps. Maybe somebody, I can hear right now, somebody's probably text me, like, well, you don't know what you're, I mean, I don't care. You do what you want to. I hate that thing. I don't care. I think it's ridiculous. It stands for nothing good, has no bearing whatsoever. And if you look at it, it's, it's, it's God awful that we even have it here. Period. Period. Now, somebody don't like it. I don't care. It's just, I'm a little wired like that, okay? I'll go home and sleep just fine. Don't matter to me. My, you might be awake for two or three days. It ain't going to matter. I mean, I hate it for you, but take, you know, get you some Nautil or whatever it's called. Get, knock, knock yourself out. I'm going to be fine. But here's the thing. On, on, people hated prophets because you could be doing your business just fine. Everything's going fine. You're doing your thing. And all of a sudden, here comes little prophet Isaiah saying, hey, you're wrong. And people don't like it. When you say, you're wrong, do they? Anybody that enjoys it, just raise your hand, and then we're going to pray for liars. Because you know good and well, nobody likes to be told, I'm wrong. We want to be told we're good, we're right, and everything's great. But they, people didn't like prophets because that's what they did. And Isaiah, his message was so great. And the thing about Isaiah, before I go further about Isaiah, now I'm moving on from this. You need to know something about Isaiah. Isaiah was not like John the Baptist. He wasn't that kind of prophet. He wasn't out in the wilderness crying out, eating locusts and wild honey. You know what I'm saying? Kind of wild man with camel hair on his back. That wasn't him. Isaiah was a very affluent individual. He was actually within the king's circle at the time. And he was actually married to a, a wonderful lady. She was a prophetess. They were both kind of in the ministry, I guess you'd say. But they were doing real well until God dropped a word in his heart. And he had to start prophesying and preaching against what was going on in the kingdom. That's when it all started backfiring on him. But you know what? Better to obey God than to live in the palace of the king. You understand what I'm saying? He preached so strongly against what was going on in their nation that it's told about his, the tradition holds this to be, and I, I believe it's probably true because in Hebrews it talks about this, that even those of faith, our heroes of faith were even sawn asunder. The tradition holds that he was martyred at about 120 years of age by being sawn in half. Now the word sawn is different because I have a saw. There is, you would hope that if that, you're going out the door and out the window, you'd hope that the way you're going, if they're going to do this to you, if they're going to cut you in half, they would guillotine you or something. You know what I'm saying? This right, make it quick. 
But the word says it was, he was sown. Men of faith, they were sown in half. Now, I'm just making it clear because why? This man died for a word that he proclaimed. And if it had been false, how many of you know, I'm not going out for being fake. No, no, man, I was just kidding. <laughs> you know, I was just giving you a hard time. You don't have to solve me. I backtrack. I give, uncle, whatever. I'm out. You don't have to solve me. I'm good. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. He fully gave his life. People don't do that lest they fully believe in that which they are crying out. And so Isaiah, his voice would be this. He would declare the voice of Jesus really in a sense. He would declare that the coming Messiah, he's on his way. That was the prophetic voice of Isaiah. And then he also had on the back end of that, he's also coming again. So listen, he prophesied that Jesus is coming. He's coming. You better get ready because he is coming. And then on the back side, he's going through in, and he's going to come back again. So you're not going to get ready once. better get ready twice. And I know today it's not real popular because people think, well, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe not, whatever. Let me tell you something. He's coming. He's going to come back. And when he comes back, there's a lot of stuff going on that he ain't going to be happy about. He's going to look at stuff and say, that ain't going, that ain't going, that ain't going, that ain't going. He's going to clean it all up. You ain't going to have to worry about a candidate fixing anything because he'll fix it all. Every little bit of it. <clears throat> Why is this important? So Isaiah, again, he, he's a prophet and he's prophesying. His name actually means this, the Lord God Jehovah saves. That's the name of his, his name is actually the Lord saves or Jehovah saves or the Lord our salvation, he saves. It's very interesting. Isaiah had nothing to do with his name, you understand. He didn't get to throw in this, you know, I think we'll pick Isaiah. They chose this for him. So why is this so important about prophets? Let me give you a couple of thoughts here. God knows that someone's attitude towards God will affect their whole moral life. And so prophets come along to help redirect things because your religion always determines your relationship. It is not the other way around. You can't legislate a heart. You can't vote enough to fix people's actions. And you, know, you have to have the heart right first, and then we can talk about the other side of the coin. But you can't fix it through politics. If the heart's not right, if the religion is not right, the relationship is not going to be right. You, do y'all understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to pick. I'm just being honest with everybody. I, I got all kinds of crazy stuff in my house. I got saws, got knives, got guns, got all that stuff. I've never one time thought about, you know what? Today I'm just going to use it on somebody. I've never, never. Because why? Because my heart's in the right place. So you can legislate all this stuff that I got you want to. It ain't going to fix anything unless what's right first. Come on, somebody say it if you mean it. Your heart's right. You, I mean, look, somebody can whack somebody in the head with a chair and take them out with a chair if they want to. If their heart's wrong, they do crazy stuff. Religion always determines your relationships. It's not only true of individuals, but it's also true of nations. And this is why when people say things like this, it makes no difference what I believe. Don't you judge me. The prophets would disagree wholeheartedly with that statement because it does matter what you believe. What you believe determines your steps and your steps determines your actions and your actions affect everybody else around you. <clears throat> Even Jesus said this about the prophets. Oh, foolish men. This is in Luke 24. We're getting to Isaiah in just a minute. Luke 24, 25. Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the, what? Prophets. He didn't say my word. He would say that later on in different times, but he was making very clear. 
those of you who are so foolish and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. In other words, Jesus Christ put a lot of emphasis on the prophetic words that were spoken before his time. Now, I find that to be very, very interesting. So, Isaiah, he was the first man of the gate, if you will, to bring a string of prophecies about Jesus. So, he wasn't the first prophet, but he's just the one in the order in your Bible, which we're going with, okay? Here's a question. Why do we need prophets? Do we need them today? Why do we need them? Why do we need prophets? Why do we need people like Isaiah? Why do you need people to kind of say stuff sometimes to, to kind of get our attention? Like, what? Why does God use men? Why, why does he use women? Why does he use prophets, prophetesses? Why does he do that? Why doesn't he just do what he used to do? Like old school, shaking the mountain, fire on the mountain, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like a song. I don't know. Anyway, it's like fire on the mountain, smoke and all that kind of stuff. Why does he just shake the heavens and make everybody really believe in him? Well, that's a very good question. So let me give you a, a verse of scripture about this in Deuteronomy 5.27. This is what happened on Mount Sinai, the last time the mountain shook like this. He says, go near and hear all that the Lord our God says, Deuteronomy 5.27, then speak to us all that the Lord our God speaks to you. This is the children of Israel talking to Moses. And we will hear and do it. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They have done well in all that they have spoken. So God anointed Moses as a prophet. And gave him his word to give to the people. Why? Because the people couldn't stand the voice of God. Now, lest we think we're that far ahead, I promise you this. If he were to shake the heavens with his voice again, we could not stand it. We think we could, but we could not stand it. Therefore, he says, since we can't handle him in his fullness... When Moses came alongside, do you remember? Show me your glory. Show me your glory. God said, hey, you can't handle much. So I'm going to turn around like this. Let you see my backside as I go by. Because if I turn around, son, I'm going to melt you like wax. Because you can't handle me. You think you can, but you can't. So God says, I'm going to do it. Good. Those guys had a good idea. Only one good idea probably they had during this time. That golden calf thing went down the other. Wasn't a good idea. Some other stuff wasn't a good idea. This one's pretty good. We're going to take this one. I'm going to give you the word, Moses, and you're going to bring it to the people. And so God established prophetic ministry then through people. And why did he do it? Because they reminded people of God that he was the only true God. He would point them back to his word, or at that time, his law. And they called to people to the highest order, knowing that we were not perfect, we could not attain it. But they said, this is God, and here's his standard, and this is where we're going. That's what the prophetic men and women did in the Bible. And why is that important? Because, listen, if you notice what happened when... They started doing this. Truth, and I mean real truth, God's truth. Truth is hardly ever accepted in the middle of a sinful culture. Tr- people can't handle, they can't handle the truth. They just can't. It's just, you know what I mean? We may want the truth, but we can't really handle it, especially in sinful culture. Culture doesn't want to be told today what's right and what's wrong. We won't be told, just leave me alone. But we just can't have it both ways. It's not the way God's intent is. There has to be a standard in our lives. So God uses people for this. In Deuteronomy 18, 18, he says, I will raise up a prophet from among the countrymen like you, and I'll put my, watch this, my words in 
his mouth, and then he shall speak to them all that I command him. So God is not messing around. When you see prophets and when you see them in the Bible and even modern day, what is the number one thing they do? It's not about how many Twitter followers they got. It's not about why they dress. It's not about how well they do what they do. It's about what's in their mouth. Is it a word from God or is it just some kind of chewed up thing they've been talking about? If it's a real prophet of God and a real prophetess of God, the truth's going to come out and it's going to convict. It's going to make some people mad, but it's always going to turn people back to who? To God. Ain't going to turn people to them. Ain't going to make them say, oh, aren't they so good? Look at them. Ooh, I like the way they do the hair. If that's what you think about a man or woman of God, you got the wrong one. Because it ought to draw your heart to God. It ought to convict you where you hear, man, I don't know. I didn't like what he said, but good night. Man, I got to go hear something from God. That's what they do. And that's what Isaiah did. He would raise them up and give them a word, a message of instruction. So a couple of thoughts about that this morning, okay? What was the message of instruction that these prophets will give? Well, Isaiah had one. So we're going to focus on what Isaiah did, okay? A little bit. And I don't have time to get all of it. It's, it you should, Isaiah is just amazing. But the first thing that you hear his message is, it's a message to the age in which he lives. A lot of times people read the Bible and they, they try to read prophetic words and they go through here and go, well, what did he mean by that? What's that? What does this spinning wheel mean? What's a wheel and a wheel and this and that and that? And they try to bring it into modern day. Was it airplanes? Is it submarines? Is it nuclear warheads? We don't know. Armageddon. That's what people try and do. And they make big charts and things like this and show you great magic. And that's fine. But first and foremost, read your Bible for the age in which they were writing. Because they had just as much prophetic word to that age as they do to your age. And if you just start with that, the literal thing in which they were talking about, it will explain a lot. Then you can go to the figurative if you want to, but start with the literal. Instead of jumping over here and what is that? Is it an airship? Is it a, what is that? I mean, it's some new thing. Maybe it's just nothing. Maybe they just saw what they saw during the day. It's just an ox plowing a field. That's just all it was, and that's all it meant. Maybe we just need to learn what they were talking about. We always want to try and make it bigger than it is sometimes. They had a message to their age. Now, they also had a message to the future age. They did speak to future events as well. They really did. And Isaiah, it's not something to be overlooked. Isaiah, interesting fact, he gave very clear prophetic words. In that, this, this words that he gave, matter of fact, in the Old Testament, about 780 some odd prophetic words, I think, maybe a little less, a little more, depending on what you think or believe. Let's just call it 700 to be safe. Out of those 700, Jesus fulfilled 300 in his time in ministry. Out of the Old Testament, 300. When you look at Isaiah, Jesus fulfilled 44. Prophetic words from Isaiah alone in his lifetime. Jesus only lived 30 something years. He fulfilled those things. It's amazing when you see it. And Isaiah gave very clear prophetic words. So here's his words. Okay. I'm going to read these to you from scripture and we're going to move on. Okay. Number one, he talked to them about the failure of Israel. This is important. Listen very carefully. The failure of Israel. God's judgment upon them and the nations around them. In Isaiah 1 1, he says this. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for watch this. Who's speaking? Now, I'm not trying to tell you that every time a guy and a gal speaks that you ought to just 
take it as if that was God himself speaking like directly to you. I'm just saying though, there are times when men and women of God, they're speaking and God is speaking through them. And you need to be able to discern which is what. And, and it's not hard to do, but I'm just saying, don't discredit a voice because you think they should fit in this category or that category. Listen carefully because it could be the Lord speaking. He said, for the Lord speaks. Son, I've reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. Talking about Israel. Verse 3. Now watch this. An ox knows its owner and a donkey its master's manger, but Israel does not know my people do not understand. You could say the same thing for our nation today. Now, see, I told you, you could look at old stuff and say, well, they're aged. Now I'm going to bring it up into the future a little bit. Could you not apply that to our nation today? Absolutely. So do you see how you can take it and say, well, is this speaking to us today? Yeah, it's speaking to us today. Absolutely it is. He's also talking about the coming of the Messiah. One of the second main messages that, that, that he was giving to, to the future age. In Isaiah 53, 5, I'd encourage you just to, Isaiah 53 is amazing. But Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he, talking about Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising of our well-being or our peace fell upon him. And by his scourging or by his stripes, we were healed. Now, this is a very small piece of the prophetic word of Isaiah about Jesus, the Messiah. This was almost 700, well, Isaiah's ministry, let's say 650 years before the birth of Christ, he writes this. This happened to Jesus Christ. It, you don't even have to believe in Christ or God or the Bible or anything. Verifiable, documented data that Jesus was crucified and this happened to him. You can't make that up. I don't care how smart you are to come up with storylines. There is no possible way you can give that kind of prediction and it come to pass, lest it be something greater than us. And that's God. And then he gives another word, his messages, the failure of Israel, the judgment that's coming. You better get your stuff straight or it's not going to go well for you. Messiah is coming. And then he also brings about the Messiah kingdom, the next coming of Jesus, the second coming, if you will. And he says this, behold, Isaiah 65, verse 17. You might have heard this before, but he says, behold, I create. Well, who is that? That's not Isaiah. What's Isaiah going to create? You know, he might, he created some documents, but he, you know, he can't create this. God says, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. And this is the same thing that John gave us in Revelation 21. You're looking at probably another, I don't know, 750, almost 800 years later, John writes this. John, we are told, was boiled in oil for what he believed. The most of the apostles were martyred for their faith, sawn asunder, you know, stoned to death. Peter was crucified. Most of his tradition says upside down. Why would these men do this? Basing their word upon much of what Isaiah said that Jesus confirmed. Because if that many people were willing to die for those things, what does that tell you? They're not all crazy. That means something really happened for them to go and give their life for this thing. So that's the majority of Isaiah's message to the future age. That, listen, if it happened to Israel, it can happen here. And I'm not saying God causes it. I'm just telling you right now. Get mad at me if you want to. I don't care. I'm telling you the truth. We keep going the way we're going, it's going to bring more and more hardship on our nation. And people don't like it, and they get mad about it, and cry about it, and say this, and cancel me if they want to. I don't care. It's, I'm just telling you. So how do we react to that? How do we deal with that? Don't go with the crowd. 
What's the message to our age then? Now, this is the one we don't talk about. See, I got a little time right here. Good deal. Message to our age. What would it be? So the prophets give a message to, to, to their age in which he was writing, Isaiah and all the other prophets. He gives a message to the future, which is coming, and it could apply to you. But then he gives a message to specifically our age, the age in which we live in. It's a living message. It's a message that never goes away. It's a message of eternal principles, of things that never change. No matter how smart we get, no matter how far technology goes, but there are some things prophetically that have been given that will not change. The the Lord says this, that the heavens and the earth may pass away, but watch this, my words will never pass away. So what does that tell you then? There are some things in this Bible, actually all the Bible, but there are things in this Bible specifically given to us by God. Some things are just narrative stories about things that happened to people because they didn't listen to God or they did. So some things are just, they're writings. They're not meant to be taken as the gospel. It's information for you. But there are some things that God gives us and says, you better listen to this. And he even makes sure so we don't go and just dismiss that. He'll sometimes put in there, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> You know, just in case we overlook and say, well, was that God or not God? He just clears up. No, it says me. Pay attention to this. Okay? So, our age. Let me just break down for our age, okay? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Listen to this first and listen to it in our age right now. Peter says this, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such as an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is the, outside of the Mount Sinai, this might be the only other recorded time that I can think of where this, this voice came again like it did. They hadn't heard this in a while. God says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And everybody paid attention to that. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Watch this, verse 19. Now listen. So we have the prophetic word. Isn't that interesting? Made more sure to which, talking to us, you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture... Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, keep going through the whole, whole group of them. Major and minor prophets, doesn't matter. Not one prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made, watch this, by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. I'm going to back it up. We're going to say it again. Because that, I don't over. Know this one thing. No prophecy ever made by an act of a human will. But these men were moved by the Holy Spirit. And they spoke from God. They were moved by God. Not by themselves. This is why if you want to break something down, I wish somebody would do it one day. Like Lee Strobel did this because he was such an atheist. He said, this can't be true. It can't be true. It can't be true. He was a research journalist and broke it all down as an atheist. And he kind of came to the conclusion one day where he said, I would have to have more faith to be an atheist than to be a Christian. Because of the proof that's here. It's, it's, you can't even deny it. But the culture in the world 
They will because they don't want to accept it. So today, as you're hearing this, I want to show you something as we wrap up today. Very interesting. So I'm going to show you an image there, and it, it's, it's kind of um, the best I can do with you here, but it's a timeline. And here's what I want you to see. So if you look on this timeline, the red line that's down the middle, this is AD 1. This would be the birth of Christ. And I want you to look to the left of that red line, and you're going to see all these prophets, major, minor. Does it matter? Again, it's not about their status. It's about who wrote the most. Long-winded preachers, short-winded preachers, right? <laughs> Today I'm going to be a short-winded preacher, all right? There you go. So all these guys on the left side, and this isn't all of them, but this is most of them, 16 different prophetic writings in your Bible. Look at the date when they were written. Some scholars will say at the earliest, at the earliest, you could take Joel. Now, Joel, we ain't even got to Joel yet. I thought, hey, why is he at the, over here in the back end of the Old Testament? Because your Bible is not assimilated by dates or chronological info. It is assimilated because it's the Word of God written by men, many of which were at the very same time. So when you look at this on the left side, all these different prophets go over as far as you want to. Elijah, even though he doesn't have a book, he was written about him in 2 Kings, 1 Kings, all these different things. You see stuff, and he's also in other parts of your Bible. You go back to about 865, maybe. Give or take. We have dates on this stuff. I mean, see, that's all in there. But look at all the writings of these prophets. Well, how far over to the left of the birth of Jesus they were. I want you to see this at the bottom, the prophetic career of Malachi. You, you know, if you study this in, in biblical history, about 400 B.C. was the last spoken word from God through the prophets. Malachi's it. That's why he's the last one in the Old Testament. Because they wanted to assemble it to, so you could see, okay, he's the last one that spoke. But these men are all speaking, not like one, two, three, four, not like that. They're speaking like this. All in the same flow of time. But Malachi's the last one that spoke. So for 400 years, it's been a nothing but silence until the birth of Jesus. Nothing but silence. So really, when you want to break it down, God concentrated his prophetic writings and his prophets within a time span of about 400 years of writing. And he broke all this stuff down with all these different people. And we can talk about stuff we want to and say, well, they were ancient people, ancient civilizations. That's even better because that means we don't think very much of them. Isn't that amazing? God used men that we don't think very much of and say, look what they did. They wrote all this stuff down and now you have it and you can cross check it and see if it's fake or not. And I'm telling you right now, you won't mess up this book. It'll mess you up. The more you get into it, the more you'll realize, my goodness gracious, I know he's real. But the more you see this, the more you see, better leave him alone. But not mess with him. Timetable's right there. And why am I showing you this? Because all these people over here, it would have been easier if one guy would have wrote one book. No one could conflict with him. No one could criticize him. You couldn't question him because when he's dead, he's gone. Which if you notice... What did happen with one religion in about 632 AD, one guy wrote, the prophet Muhammad wrote the book of Islam, or if you'll call it the, the you know, in their traditions and all the many of what came from the Bible. And you can't contradict it. You dare not question it. Don't you dare get it, because why? Because it's sacred, but it's one guy. God took a multiple of people Give many opportunities to conflictions and problems with it and all kinds of issues, and you can't find any. And I think that's amazing. 
Because God used wisdom and said, look, I'm going to start this. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it 400 years prior to. I'm going to get 400 years of silence. So people probably got tired and going like, well, why ain't God talking anymore? I don't know. What are we going to do? I don't know. So they decided. So if you can get, so this next slide. Can you, do I have the other one, Joe? Yeah. So they decided, watch this. They're like, God's not speaking. What can we do? What can we do? I don't know. I know what we can do. So about 200 BC, they decided, let's take all the prophets. <laughs> so he ain't talking. Let's, let's put them in the Bible. That'd be good. Let's do that. Because God's not speaking. They don't know what to do. And that's what you, when God doesn't speak, what do you do? You try to find something that makes sense. So they did this. They added those books in there. And, and you look at this. Even the minor books are added there as well a little bit earlier. Why am I sure this? Because God's silent. Nothing's happening. I'm showing you this timeline also so you can understand. When you look at this, that 400 years between Malachi and the birth of Jesus which is amazing to me in itself. He transformed the dateline of the world. Do we understand that? He transformed the dateline of the world. No one else ever has been able to say, hey, you know what? I got an idea. Pastor Jody wants to change the date. Like, let's start over. Let's start over year one in my name. What do you think? No one's ever done that. He transformed the date of the world. And it was 400 years of silence prior to. Now I'm going to show you something. So many people are so worried about why God's not talking and why he isn't doing anything. Let me ask you a question about that. If he's silent, does it really change anything? If he's quiet... Does it change who he is? If he chooses not to speak for another 400 years, does that change the fact and who he is? Because the last time he didn't speak for 400 years, somebody showed up that changed the whole date of the world. Is it possible that God might be saying, I don't need to say anything else. I've given you plenty. But the fact is, because people keep rejecting me, I'm just going to wait. Till you get tired of living your own way, doing your own thing, and you come back into me, Because whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, this is what the Bible teaches us. Again, 2 Peter, listen to this. He says, Now, beloved, this is my second letter I'm writing to you, to which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by who? The holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this first of all, that in the last days there will be mockers will come with their mocking, They will follow after their own lusts, and they will say, where is the promise of his coming? Man, I've heard this all of my life. I have heard this all my life. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, watch this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice. Beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. 
The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So when you see this timeline up there, God doesn't look in time like we do. People want God to shake the world again, like, he, why don't he speak like he did back then? If he did, I don't think people would listen to him. They have his word, they have many, many different explanations, but they choose not to listen today. Why would they listen to that? They'd blame it on something else. They'd say it was, you know, a jet breaking the sound barrier. They'd come up with some other conclusion. And we have to be careful that we don't allow this world today to convince us that just because God isn't shaking mountains, he no longer is doing what he's doing. That just because God no longer is doing the thing that he did five, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever, pick your year, it doesn't matter to me. Doesn't mean that he's still not doing his thing today. Because last time he was silent, somebody showed up on the earth that absolutely shifted the world forever. So I don't know about you today, I want to just assure you of a couple of things. First of all, you don't have to prove anything. I don't have to prove anything about God. I don't have to make excuses for God. Well, why don't he do this? I don't know. Why don't you ask him? Why does he fix this? Why is this? I don't know. Ask him. I don't have to prove anything for him. He's given more than enough right here to prove out who he is. I don't have to answer questions for him because I'm not God. Yeah, but what about, what about culture says? Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going down your road. I'm following him. And if he says this, that's what I'm going to go for. I'm not going to go down the world's culture. I'm going down his, his way. It might be narrow. might be a little different. They may make fun of me. Fine. They may say we're crazy. Okay. We're fanatics. All right. That's all right. Because when he comes back, it'll be all right. That's when it's going to be worth it. Not right now. They can cause a fool if they want to. But the Bible says that only the fool says in his heart, there is no God. I'd rather follow that word and look like a fool than actually be the fool. You know what I'm saying? So this morning, I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, God, that you've given us these prophets in the Bible. Starting with Isaiah that we have in our Bible. Lord, we thank you that, that he gave us a word, not just a word for his age, but gave us a word for the future. And also gave us a word, Lord, that even transcends and goes further to our present day, God. I thank you, Lord, that... We can go back and look in the ages of time, God, that were written many, many, many thousands of years ago. And God, we have his writings today that only confirms Jesus. And Lord, as you came upon the scene and confirmed Isaiah 53, I thank you, Lord, that you took upon yourself all of our sins, all of our diseases, all of our anxieties, God, and you became sin for us, Lord Jesus, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are so grateful for that today. Thank you, Lord. And I pray today, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, I pray they'd receive you today. If they're watching online right now, I pray they'd pray this prayer today. I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. The whole church will pray with you. If you're here or you're watching online right now, you say, I don't know Christ, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my heart. I give you my life, Lord. I ask you to save me, to forgive me to cleanse me and to make me whole. In Jesus' name, I give you my life today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
Amen and amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you, right? Church, give me a hand, would you? Man, I don't say this much, but I tell you what, I feel like some, I don't know, maybe you're watching online, I'm not one of those kind of TV kind of guys, but I, I can just tell somebody somewhere, either in here or online, you know, somebody made a shift today in their life, whether you as a Christian and you made a step closer to God or you just came to Christ for the first time, if you're online or in here, let us know, we want to help you, but I feel in my heart, maybe a few of you guys, I don't know, but I just feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, hey man, look, keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it. don't go following the culture. Some of y'all made a shift today, man, go with it full force with God. So if it's you online or in here, go to connect.cornerstonerome.com and we want to help you get started walking with Christ. Before we leave today, we always like to pray this over our church. It's from Numbers, Numbers chapter 6, and we always like to speak this over you before we leave. And the Bible says this, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless you. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.